Glory to God. Thank you for this uh, time together, Lord. Father, uh, we, we gather together today to uh, fellowship with the faith of Jesus. And our desire is that in our time together today, we could just be intimate with the cross, that uh, Christ can be the power behind our lives and not the strength that's in the world, not the strength that's in our own hands. Thank you for, for pouring out the spirit of your son to, to dwell in us, to uh, bring forth life in us as we uh, walk in, in this world. Thank you, Father, that, uh, man, we could just find uh, the, the, same, the same thing that was going on in Jesus when he walked the earth, uh, manifesting in us, and we could just find Christ fully formed, his thoughts, his faith fully worked out inside of our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Um, it, it might sound like a, a strange thing, what I'm about to say. And what I want to say is it is strange to the carnal mind. And it will confound the carnal mind. And it can even confound our minds sometimes. And not to say that we're one with the carnal mind, but we're in a world where the carnal mind is everywhere, right? And so we can see it portrayed everywhere. We can hear its thoughts all the time. We can even hear its words in our ears sometimes. And I guess it's okay if what I'm about to say sounds strange because the scripture does say we're a peculiar people, <laughs> doesn't it? And so, yeah, we are a peculiar people after all. And uh, what I want to say is that I just can't get enough of the cross. Like, I just can't get enough of the cross. And this is what might sound strange to some people, but I mean, it's oozing with life. It's oozing with life. And I know the carnal mind uh, has its thoughts about the cross and doesn't understand all of the things pertaining to the cross. I mean, I've even listened to well-intentioned preachers in the earth talk about how we got to move past the cross now. We all used to say, listen, I used to say in my legalism, not understanding I was still in legalism, Jesus isn't on the cross anymore, as if we shouldn't have intimacy with the cross anymore. As if it was somehow a bad thing to still be fellowshipping with the cross. You know, we, well, we got to move on from the cross. Listen, man, in the day you think you got to move on from the cross, you don't understand the faith that was in Jesus' heart. You don't understand the faith that we're busy with. You don't understand the faith that we're believing in is actually the faith that was in his heart when he was nailed to the cross. There was a faith in his heart about the cross that manifested life in him. And man, in the day you think you got to move on from the cross, you're not understanding the power unto experiencing resurrection life in the here and now. You're not understanding it. And so I understand the carnal mind ha has tried to hijack a bunch of verses and has tried to explain a bunch of verses the wrong way. And we can reject how the carnal mind has explained verses, but we ought not reject the verses because we, we want to fellowship, we want to commune, we want to feed on the faith that was in the Son of God when He walked the earth. And so yes, this might, un this might even upset some grace people. But listen, man, I'm not into letting the carnal mind have verses. I'm sorry. I reject the carnal mind and not the verses. I know we're in this postmodern world where we want to reject verses and say, no, 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 those verses are law verses. And I know we're in a postmodern world where we want to reject the scriptures and say, no, 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 we don't need the scriptures because we have our own hearts. 
Listen, man, I'm not into that kind of a thing. I'm into reclaiming the verses from the carnal mind and wanting to declare what they really mean. So, yes, this might offend even some grace people, but yes, I die daily. Yes, I take up my cross daily. And I don't mean it in the way that the carnal mind has said it. I, and I want to say carnal instead of religion. I know religion is the word we use in this modern time to talk of something evil. But man, they didn't use that word as something evil back in the day. Can we turn the air up one degree? Anyone? Thank you so much. It, all of a sudden, man, it was like a deep chill, man. I could feel it in the ends of my fingers. Glory to God. It's like the air conditioner is like, there's a fire in here. You can't quench the fire. The world has tried, I promise you. you. You know what I'm like? Honestly, I'm like the Incredible Hulk. And I'm just going along like David Banner, like David Banner. And the uncomfortableness or the pressure in the world, it can't actually squash me. What will happen is, is I'll tilt sideways like David Banner and the Hulk will come out. And the Hulk will get out what I want to get out, whether or not I feel uncomfortable or not. But I want to take back the verses. So yes, I take up my cross daily. And what I mean is, it's daily that I fellowship and I'm reminded of my death to death. Daily, I fellowship with the fact that I've laid down death, that I've put off death. Daily, I'm reminded that this world can't justify me with life. Daily, I'm reminded of that. Daily, I think daily, I think little of my ability to serve myself with life, and daily I think much of God's ability to satisfy me with his life. Daily I think much of those things. That's what it means to take up your cross. That's what it means to die daily. It means to partake with Jesus in the faith that was in his heart when he was being crucified, to partake with him in that faith daily. And I do that daily. And I don't do it as a work daily, but I'm telling you, the life that I live now in this world, I live by the faith that was in the Son of God's heart when he was crucified. And I have fellowship with that faith daily. And I tell you what, I find something's happened to me in this world because of that, where it's no longer I who live. The power behind my life is no longer my own mortal ability. The power behind my life is the very life of Christ. And listen, guys, Jesus is the manifestation of the life of God. He is God's life. He is that eternal life. He is that faith that oozes with eternal life. And that faith was in the Son of God when he was nailed to the cross. And that faith is for us to partake with daily to be reminded of daily, to hear daily, because it oozes with life. That's what it means to deny yourself. Deny that you possess the ability to serve yourself with life. <laughs> is, that, is that evil now? We got to get rid of that now? Now it's religious to say deny yourself? Listen, man, in grace, we, we've been well-intentioned. And it's true to reject the way the carnal mind explains deny yourself. Like you're not supposed to go to a rock concert. Or you ain't supposed to have a beer. Or you can't go hang out in a bar somewhere. That's not deny yourself. Deny yourself is to deny that you possess the ability to justify yourself with life. Deny yourself means to deny that the world can justify you with life. That's what it means. It means to believe that God's the only one who could justify you with life. 
and that you see that he did. And so you see every day that you're dead to death. You've put off death. You've laid down death. That's what it means. Glory to God. So with that, I just love this verse. I can't get enough of this verse. I start, we started talking about this in Tulsa after all the meetings had gone by, and I just couldn't get enough of it, man. Luke 23, 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. <laughs> he gave up the ghost. Listen, man, when I read those words, I feel so happy. And I don't just feel so happy because this is something that happened in Jesus. But I feel the living God inside of me giving up the ghost. I feel the living God has come and dwelled in me and given up the ghost inside of me. I see the living God has brought forth in me the same thing that was going on in Jesus when he was nailed to that cross and he gave up the ghost. And so it's not just a one-time thing that happened in Jesus. It happened in Jesus so the Spirit could be poured out on us and God could create us in the same image that was in Jesus when he was laying down his life on the cross. I spent my whole life trying to lay down my life. I spent my whole life loving the life I had in the world. I spent my whole life looking at the life in the world that looked good. It looked good for food. It looked pleasant to grasp after. And it even sounded wise to try to preserve that life. And so I spent all my life trying to avoid having the cross. And now I find I want the cross. I want to give up the ghost. In the church, we mean well. We spend all our time trying to prevent people from giving up the ghost. All the while, the Spirit's been poured out in us to bring about the same giving up the ghost that went on in Jesus. Because listen, man, I'm going to get to this, but Jesus wasn't putting off life on the cross. He was putting off death. And unless we put off that same death, we ain't going to partake with God in his life. And I'm not talking about eternal salvation. I'm talking about knowing God by way of experiencing his life now. God calls forth his life in us. The way he calls forth his life in us is by bringing about the same giving up of the ghost in us that was going on in Jesus on that cross when he breathed his last breath. Was that his last breath or did he breathe again on the third day? These are things I ask myself. Was that the last breath of the old man or the new man? What was he laying down? The old man? Doesn't Paul come and talk about laying, put off the old man and put on the what? New man? What was Jesus doing? What was going on there? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to get into all that. I'm not a good storyteller. <laughs> Jesus gave up the ghost. He laid down the life he had from the world. That's what was going on there. And I want to look at this verse. You can look at this verse from a lot of perspectives. But I want to look at this verse from the perspective of Jesus as the Son of Man. Not as Messiah. Not as that eternal life. Not as Alpha and Omega. 
although he is all those things also. I want to look at this verse and what was going on Jesus from the perspective of him being the son of man, born of a woman, born under the law of sin and death, just like us. So we can behold ourselves in that thing. And we could see ourselves, our lives discerned for us through him. And we could see the way unto life. Because there's a testimony to all humans about the way unto life in what's going on in Jesus on the cross. There's a testimony there that will be as a tree of life in all of us. Because I tell you what, what was going on there resulted in a tree of life manifesting in this man, Jesus. And so that's the perspective I want to look at it. And you can, you can, listen, this is what humans struggle to understand. It's the manifold wisdom of God. You could explain Jesus on the cross from the perspective of him, of him being God. You could explain it from the perspective of him being Messiah, the anointed one. You can explain it from the perspective of him being Alpha and Omega, that which creates all things, the light. You could explain it also, though, from Jesus as the Son of Man, just like you and me. And that's the, that's the place I want to look at it today. Because listen, man, the, the, the power of the resurrection is found in the preaching of the cross. The power of the resurrection, I'm going to say that again. The power of the resurrection is found in the preaching of the cross. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the cross is the power and the wisdom of God. He also says in Romans 12, that we're transformed by presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. When he talks about presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, what he means is partaking with Jesus in the death that he died on the cross. He says we're transformed or we experience life by partaking with Jesus in the death that he died on the cross. And again, in Galatians 2, Paul says it's because he was crucified with Christ that he was animated with the very life of God while he walked in this world. He says, it's because I was crucified with Christ that I find my life animated with the very power of God. That's the power. And listen, guys, when Paul talks about being crucified with Christ, he's not just talking about a one-time event that happened. He's not just talking about a mystical event. Although it is a one-time event that happened, a powerful one-time event. One could argue the most powerful event in all of history. Forget about human history, all of history. One could make a compelling argument. Now listen, I think it's foolish to try to argue the cross and the resurrection because I think they're one. And I think you try to explain them outside of being one that you, you end up getting it wrong. Right? You end up missing it. But when Paul talked about being crucified with Christ, he wasn't just saying... At one time, mystically, I was crucified with Christ. What he's talking about is partaking in the faith that was in Jesus' heart when Jesus was being crucified. That's what he's talking about when he says, I am crucified with Christ. Yes, I have been crucified with Christ mystically, but the life I live in this world, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live my life daily in this world, partaking in the faith that was in Jesus' heart when he was nailed to the cross. 
And I find that has animated me with the power of the resurrection. And that's why Paul said he, he knew nothing in their midst save Christ crucified because he saw that as the power unto the resurrection animating people. He saw that having fellowship with the faith of the Son of God, the faith that was in Jesus when he was nailed to the cross, was the power of God unto a resurrection life standing up inside of people or rather picking people up. Glory to God, man. So please, people will misunderstand what I say, and so I'll try to, I'll try to be a prophet and foretell the places where people will misunderstand and try to compensate for that. So yes, the preaching of the cross is a historical event that happened, and that changed everything. It changed everything. In fact, what I want to say is it's the beginning of the new creation. It's the beginning of God creating again. It's God once again establishing himself as the chief of all things. As it says, in the beginning was God, or God is the chief of all things. You can even come and explain that from the cross. But the cross is also the preaching that was in the preaching of the faith that was in Jesus' heart when he was on the cross. And I'm going to tell you all these things, but I want you to go away today. You have the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to go away today and try to remember everything I said and say, if I can figure it out, then I'm going to, the power of the resurrection. I'm releasing the Spirit of God into this place. But you go away today, and I want your prayer with God to be, I want to know the faith that was in Jesus' heart when he was nailed to that cross. And I don't want this guy Greg to tell me, because it's no good to me for this guy Greg to know. I want to have intimacy with the faith that was in Jesus' heart when he was nailed to the cross. You could go away today, and that's the only thing you remember. Remember that. Grab the hands of your family and pray that prayer together. Let that prayer be in you, because Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. Paul knew what he was talking about, right? One of our problems with the cross, I don't know if we realize this, and I, I, I touched on it before, we try to avoid the cross, really. We don't, we don't like it. The carnal mind don't like it. I remember Jim, one of the most powerful things in my life, when God was busy bringing about the giving up of the ghost inside of me when we first started the church. Man, everything I was doing was trying to keep myself from laying down the life that was in the world. I kept trying to convince myself how the life that I had from the world was good. I'm a good preacher. And I was trying to grasp to life by grasping onto the idea that I was a good preacher. But then every Sunday I got up, I'm like, I'm not a good preacher. I'm a horrible preacher. And I was dying all the time. But I was in the process of giving up the ghost. It's like I was sweating blood. And I don't know if you guys realize it, but we all have our own Gethsemane moment. It's not just Jesus that has a Gethsemane moment. And it's not just for us to see, oh, Jesus had a Gethsemane moment. I don't know if you guys realize it, but none of the disciples were even close enough to hear Jesus say those things. And yet the Holy Spirit records it. And so Jesus said those things out loud for our benefit. He was giving utterance to the carnal mind so we could see how the carnal mind tries to grasp after life and how the carnal mind thinks life is found in preserving its own life in the world. Because that's the same thing that happens in us. 
I was grasping after the life that I could have in the world. If I could just be a good preacher, if I could just believe I was a good preacher, then I could be free from all of this. And people are all the time trying to tell me I'm a good preacher. They're all the time trying to save me from becoming a living sacrifice. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. It doesn't mean you go perform some ministry. Although you might find yourself performing some ministry. But when Paul says to present yourselves a living sacrifice, he's re-uttering, I am crucified with Christ. That will transform you. And Brother Jim comes along one day after church where I'm up there squirming. You know the flesh will squirm when it thinks it's dying. The scripture records the sweating of blood. When I'm up there squirming and uncomfortable and flapping around like a fish out of water, Jim comes up to me and says, it's the voice of the prophet, he comes up and says to me, I'm not going to take you down off the cross, man. Hmm. <laughs> you see, the carnal mind thinks life is found in avoiding the cross. The mind of Christ says life is found at the cross. <laughs> you see, God was busy bringing about in me something where I laid down the life that I had from the world, the life that my carnal mind said was life, but was actually death. And God was bringing about in me the laying down of death, the putting off of death. And Jim could see. You don't need to avoid the Gethsemane moment. God is with you. God is upholding you. God is holding your hand. He knows what it feels like to give up the ghost. He knows that the flesh wants to live. He knows that the flesh wants to preserve itself. He knows there's eternity in your heart, right? And so, listen, we don't, we don't many times want to have so much intimacy with the cross <laughs> because, listen, it's largely been seen by the church even as just a place of death and torture, great pain, great suffering, and torture. And I don't know if you guys realize it, but none of us want to have anything to do with great pain, <laughs> great suffering, and great torture. And in fact, we do everything we can to avoid those kinds of things. And we actually hate anything that looks like it could result in that when we look out into the world. And so it's a struggle for us to want to have intimacy with something that we think is filled with great pain and great torture. And in fact, what will happen is, is, man, we won't find the strength to fellowship with that thing. We'll, we'll actually try to hide and run from it. And God doesn't despise us for those moments. God sees, ah, God doesn't expect you to go to the cross by your power. He doesn't expect you to give up the ghost by your strength. That's why he poured out the spirit of the son. He, Jesus didn't even do it by his strength. And so God doesn't despise you, man, if you're going and you run away from I ran from the cross for years. And he just kept working in me, knowing that there was a grace in him, that there was a grace in the faith that was in Jesus' heart that could strengthen me to give up the ghost. And he just kept preaching to me the faith that was in Jesus' heart, the faith that was in Jesus' heart, the faith that was in Jesus' heart. And all of a sudden, I found there was a great grace that came upon me, and I gave up the ghost. That's where I found real life. <laughs> See, the carnal mind doesn't think that's where you find life. It thinks that's where you find death. Oh, you find a death to something, but I tell you what you find a death to, the life that's of this world that's corruptible. Yeah, there was a death at the cross. What was that death all about? Let me say that again. There was a death at the cross. What was that death all about? It's true. A death did occur, 
because of the wages of sin. But what did Jesus die unto? What was he dying unto at the cross? Oh, imagine the verse actually says that, doesn't it? It says he died unto sin. The place where he died unto sin was at the cross. So what was in the mind of Jesus? As the Son of Man, I want to say that again, as the Son of Man, because I can come and explain a completely different thing that was in his mind as him being Messiah or the Anointed One or Alpha and Omega. As the Son of Man, what was in his mind about the cross? As a person with eternity in his heart, a person who wants life, what was in his mind about the cross? What was going on there? Being born of a woman just like you and I. Because I tell you what, the faith that was in Jesus' heart as the Son of Man, is what caused him to go to the cross. His desire for a life that couldn't die is what caused him to go to the cross. There was a faith in Jesus' heart, and the result of that faith was him loving not his life in this world, even unto the death of the cross. Now listen, you ain't got to die physically, but I tell you what, God's trying to bring about a death in your heart. He's trying to bring about a faith in your heart where you love not the life you can have from this world, even unto you laying down the life you can have from this world. And he doesn't do that so you can suffer. He does that so you can find real life. So you can find the power of the resurrection manifesting in you. Jesus saw a death would occur at the cross. He saw there would be some pain and suffering. Listen, man, if I'm being honest, and my, my little sister's husband could testify to this, because at the beginning when I was tormented, only a couple people knew that I was tormented. My wife, my mom and dad, and my little sister's husband. Because I was ashamed of how I felt. But the, the early few years of the church, listen, man, every day I thought I was going to die. I felt it in my heart. I felt so pressed in by all the judgments of the world and everyone watching me and my own judgments of myself. I felt so pressed in that I thought I was going to die. And I used to sneak off because I knew Lias would be home at lunch just so I could talk to somebody about the dying that I'm, I'm dying. And you could ask him the look on my face when I would walk in there some days. He would testify, that guy was dying. That guy was dying. And so... Listen, man, I felt pain and suffering in my heart as I was dying. And so I'm, what I'm talking about is what God brings forth in our hearts. It happened to Jesus physically and it happened into his heart. But it happened in Jesus physically so God could bring it forth in our hearts. And so I'm not telling you, you got to go die physically like Jesus. So don't listen to what I'm saying through the carnal mind and think, I got to go find a way to die out there. <laughs> talking about something God does in your heart. Now you might, any of you ever felt like you're dying? from the pressing in of the life you have in the world when you think it's melting down around you? Have you ever felt that? That's the cross. That's the cross. That's where you're busy trying to give up the ghost and you're kind of grasping after life and you, I don't wanna get, I'm not going to give up the ghost yet. <laughs> not yet. I might be able to fix this still. <laughs> I'm not going to lay it down yet. And so, man, Jesus saw that there would be some pain and suffering and discomfort as the son of man again i'm going to keep reminding everybody 
in experiencing death in his flesh. He saw that there would be some of that. But he saw his death at the cross. He saw that he would be dying unto sin. That's what he saw the death would be unto. He would be dying unto sin. He didn't see the death he would die at the cross as him putting off life or laying down life. Yes, he was putting off the life that he had from the world. Yes, he was putting off the, he was laying down the life that he had from the world. But he saw the cross as him laying down the life that sin had built in the earth. Because sin entered the earth by one man, Adam, and it had built a life. And he was born of a woman. So yes, man, his life that was inside of this mortal body came from the Father of lights above. It was an incorruptible seed that dwelled in him, but he also had a life from the world, from his mother. He had a perishable body. And he saw the cross as him laying down a perishable life so that an imperishable life could pick him up. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 6 that Jesus died unto what? What does it say he died unto? Sin. It says he died unto sin on the cross. And since the wages of sin is death, we can see that in Jesus dying unto sin on the cross, he was putting off death. That's what he was dying unto. Who doesn't want to die unto death? We're all the time trying to preserve our lives from death. Jesus said, the preservation of my life from death is found in me not trying to preserve my life in the world. But in me actually laying down the life I have from the world. That's why it don't make sense to the carnal mind. The carnal mind says life is found in avoiding death in the world. The mind of Christ says life is found in dying to the life in the world. <laughs> Liberty is found in you having your heart circumcised from the life that's in the world. It's in God bringing forth something in you where you give up the ghost, where you lay down the life that's dying. That's where you really start living. Oh, man. And you won't sweat blood no more, but you'll sweat and you'll ooze the water of life. And you'll flick it on people. And who knows what might happen? You never know what the Holy Spirit can do. Listen, if the Holy Spirit can bring a man out of the grave, and that man could have incorruptible flesh. Listen, the Holy Spirit can do anything. Hallelujah. He wasn't laying down life in the sense of real life. He was laying down, yes, the life he had from the world. He was laying down the death that was in the world on account of sin. He wasn't losing his life at the cross. He is the life that's been from the beginning. He was losing death at the cross. He was shedding death. He was shedding the body that could die. He was shedding corruptible flesh. He was putting off sin. And he was doing it as a man. He was laying down the old man. He was putting the old man to sleep. Listen, man, we all feel compassion for our animals when they're dying. And what do we do? We come and put them down. And the God of all glory felt compassion for man because, of our, because we were dying. That's the old man. And he come and put the old man down so that there could be a spirit poured out on all flesh. And that spirit could dwell in our hearts. And that spirit could bring something about in us where we lay down the old man who's dying also. Because that's when the new man will pick us up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's, when Jesus thought of the cross, he saw it as the putting off of the body of death. 
That's what he saw it as. He saw it as the putting off of the old man so he could put on the house that wasn't made by man's hands, but that was made by the hands of God. You guys understand, this body we're clothed in, this ain't the work of the hand of God. This is the work of the hand of Adam. This is the body. This is the life that Adam made. Jesus saw the cross as putting off the life that's made with man's hands and putting on the house that was made by the hands of God. He saw that as the place where these things were intersecting as one. And it's a complicated thing for humans to express. Because it's a, it's a, it's a God thought. It's like a heavenly thought. And for humans to try to express it in its totality and connect all of the dots, man, it can become a very difficult thing. I've grappled with this thing for years, how to say it. And I just pray to God daily that he makes what I'm saying clear, that even if the words that I speak are confounding people's minds, that it's registering with the Holy Spirit and that it's connecting with the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Jesus saw the best the world could give him was the death of the cross. He said, if I grasp after the life that I have from the world, this is the best it can give me. This is what the result of it is. I mean, Jesus did everything perfectly. You guys realize that, right? Well, what was the result of him doing everything perfectly? Death. He was testing it for us because we all thought. We look at this ability we have. We can do things good. I'm pretty smart. I can even become pretty strong. I might even be able to ascend to nobility. Maybe there's nobility even in my lineage, and I don't know it. I am pretty good looking, you know. Maybe I'm a king. Jesus tested that thought for us, the thought that we could have life from those things. And he showed us, even should all those things happen, even should you do everything perfectly in the world, even should you never make a bad decision, even should you make every right decision, even should you love perfectly, even should you be filled with the fruit of the Spirit perfectly, the best that this world has to offer you is this. Jesus knew that. He knew it. And that's the life Jesus is laying down at the cross. And he's doing it on behalf of humans. Laying it down. He laid down the life that's perishing. He said in his heart, the life that's built upon, touch not, taste not, handle not, it can never satisfy my flesh with long life. It can never satisfy my flesh with long life. It can only ever end in this dying body. And that is what Jesus laid down at the cross. The life that is built upon touch not, taste not, handle not, that ends in a dying body, a dying life. He laid that down at the cross. He looked at the life that he could gain from the world. And he saw the life that he could gain from the world like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, he saw the gold. If you allow me that language from Revelation where Jesus says, don't buy of don't buy the gold that the world has to offer you. Buy of me gold. He's talking about treasure. He's talking about life. Jesus saw the gold he could purchase from the world, and it looked good for food. I mean, when Satan took him up upon the mountain, and he looked and saw the kingdom of the earth, listen, it looked good for food if he could be the king of the kingdom. That looks nice. I do things pretty good. He saw it look good for food. It looked like it could feed him with life. He saw the life that he could gain from the world. And listen, man, we all know it. It looks pleasant to the touch, doesn't it? 
Listen, man, when I think about the church here, I love this church. I love you guys. I can't preach like this anywhere but here. I'm like a genie in a bottle, and you guys uncorked me. And God bless you for being here with me. But listen, man, sometimes it looks good or pleasant to the touch to think about this place being overflowing with people. It looks like it's something to be grasped after. That if I could just grasp after that, if I could just, if I could just grow the people in the church, if I could just have this and have that, then that will be the place where I could find life. Jesus saw that. He saw that about the life. That, he laid, he's laying down the life he has from Mary. The life of God can't die. Just like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when Jesus looked at the life that was in the world, it looked good to make one wise. It looked like it could make one wise. It sounded wise to think that the power unto the abundant life was found in attaining to the good in the world. That looks wise, doesn't it? It sounds like the right way to us, doesn't it? If I could just attain to the good in the world, there's a treasure here. Look how beautiful it is. Look how it sparkles. Look how it shines. If It sounds wise to think if we can lay hold of that thing, that will be the power unto the abundant life. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It looked good for food. It looked pleasant to the touch. And it looked like it was wise. That's what Jesus saw when he looked at the life that he had from the world. Listen, guys, it's not that Jesus didn't want things to go well. It's not that he didn't want things to go well for him in the world. You can even find moments where you know, Jesus is fully man and fully God. That's a hard thing for us to discern. Like, how do you have both of those things going on? But there's times where he's saying things that would be from the mind of a, the carnal mind or just a man. Right? He wanted things to go well for him in the world. It's just that... it's. If you look in Isaiah 49, I'm just reminded of this. Bert, uh, our, our dear friend, uh, Batterty Brits. I don't say his name very well. We, our dear friend, Batterty Brits, man, he preached this awesome message about what do you do when, when things in life don't go right? Disappointment. How do you deal with disappointment? And I've read these verses a million times. I could quote them by heart probably. But in Isaiah 49, there's a picture of Jesus talking with the Father. And Jesus says to the Father, I've spent my strength. I've labored every bit of my strength in me, and it was all for nothing. Because he, he, he was sent to the Jewish people to save them. And they wouldn't come to him. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I came to gather you to myself, but you would not. And it's a beautiful picture of Jesus talking to the Father about him coming and emptying himself, emptying the strength that he had to gather Jacob to himself, but that Jacob didn't come. You think he didn't feel disappointment? He cried. And so it's not that Jesus didn't want things to go well in the world. He just saw things going well in the world was not the power into the abundant life. He saw it clearly. He saw even the good that can happen for me in the world only contains a peace and a love and a joy that's passing. 
that's perishable, that's corruptible, that's subject to moth and rust. He saw that setting his eye on the good that could happen for him in the world was for his life to be built upon wood, hay, and stubble. He didn't want a life that was built upon wood, hay, and stubble. At the cross, he's laying down the life that's built upon wood, hay, and stubble. That's when you start, like Peter said, no, Lord, let me wash your feet. Jesus is like, listen, man, unless I wash your feet, you got no part of me. Then wash all my whole body. I used to be like, no, Lord, I don't want to give up the ghost. Listen, Greg, unless you give up the ghost, you're partaking in a life that's built upon wood, hay, and stubble. Well, then let my whole body give up the ghost. Get out my way so I can go grab onto that cross with everything I got. Uh, Gethsemane. I know our brief, we mentioned Gethsemane. We'll just read those verses real quick. Luke 22. Are you guys all right? Well, listen, I just know whenever you tell people they're go it's good to be nailed to a tree. <laughs> what? What are you talking about, bro? Exactly. Luke 22, verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now listen, guys. When you read the scriptures, they're supposed to, they're, the scriptures talk about rightly dividing them. It means there's a way by which you interpret them, and you weigh them in light of the totality of the spirit of prophecy. You don't just read a verse like you're reading a novel and not weigh it or reason about what it's trying to say, right? And so I already talked about how those guys couldn't have heard Jesus say that. If you look in the scripture, it says they were a stone cast away from him when he prayed that. That means they were like 60, 70, 80 feet away from him. And so none of those guys could have heard him say that to record it. And so what we know is that it was the Holy Spirit that had Luke record that. And the Holy Spirit wanted it to be recorded for our benefit because we are also humans. And Jesus was a human and his flesh was desiring to be preserved. And God knows that we also are desiring for our flesh to be preserved. And so Jesus in that moment was being pressed in on by the carnal mind. The carnal mind was trying to tell him to preserve his own life. His flesh didn't want to die. I mean, what was it that was sweating blood? It was his flesh. And why was his flesh sweating blood? Because his flesh did not want to shed its blood. His flesh is like, no, 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 no. The power behind our life is his blood. What are you talking about? We're going to now go offer our body up on a cross and all the blood's going to run out of our body? We're going to die. And Jesus is feeling the great pressing in of the reasoning of the carnal mind. And he gives utterance to the carnal mind in that place for our benefit. So we could, it could be like a sharp two-edged sword set, capable of even dividing asunder the carnal mind from the spiritual mind. But Jesus says, Father, your will be done and not mine. Well, listen, do we all of a sudden think that Jesus and the Father don't have the same will? Or Jesus and the Father all of a sudden not one spirit, not of one accord? Because listen, man, you go read in John 10, and Jesus says, no man takes my life. I lay it down willingly of my own desire. 
And so what does that tell us? That's his will. Him and the Father's will are the same. In fact, him and the Father would have said simultaneously, let us save our people. And so the will of the carnal mind is to preserve your life and to preserve your flesh. And when we think about the Father's will there, we only look at the Father's will from the perspective of the Father desired for Jesus to die. But do you know what Jesus was actually desiring there? For his flesh to be satisfied with long life. He was actually desiring, for, as the Son of Man, for this flesh to be preserved from death and for this flesh to be glorified with immortality. What do you think the Father's will was? For his flesh to be preserved eternally. For his body to be clothed upon with incorruption. That's what the father was desiring. It wasn't just about Jesus going to go die on the cross. Yes, he's going to go die on the cross, but that's the place from where he could put off the old man and be clothed in the new man. And so the father's will wasn't just go die, Jesus. The father's will was that knowing that the only way for Jesus to put off corruption and put on incorruption was at the cross. That was the only way his flesh could be satisfied with long life. It was the Father, this is what messes our minds up. It was the Father actually desiring life for Jesus. The Father's will was for Jesus to be preserved. It's just the Father knew the preservation of Jesus' life was only found in laying down the life he had from the world at the cross. And the carnal mind said, the preservation of your life is found in you not shedding your blood. It's found in you not putting off corruption. It's found in you preserving yourself. And the carnal mind is enmity against the mind of God. telling you man let me loose let me loose in the streets i feel god doing something in me and it ain't by my doing it ain't by my goodness it ain't by my much studying it ain't by the strength in my own hand it's through the power of christ crucified the wisdom of god the power of god unto a life that overcomes death a grace came upon jesus to go to the cross. A strength manifested in him that caused him to endure the surmisings of the carnal mind. He said, you can't do it. You can't go. Never Let it never be so. Where did that grace come from? Where did that strength come from? You know, the, the letter to the Hebrews talks about Jesus as the Son of Man. And it says that you'll find power to endure by setting your eyes on Jesus, the beginning and end of the faith we're busy with. There's a grace, there's a strength in the faith that was in the Son of God's heart when he was being nailed to the cross that will strengthen you to endure in this world without taking up your own life, without you trying to preserve your own life. That's what the author of Hebrews says. Hebrew 12, I think it's 12, 2. Does anybody know that? Is anybody like a, a nerd for the word? <laughs> Hebrews 12, 2? I think it is. I know, I know what I'm going to quote, but I think that's the, the marker. It says Jesus' heart disesteemed the death of the cross for the glory that was set before him. He found strength to lay down his life at the cross because he saw 
in laying down his life at the cross, there was a glory that would come upon him. You know what the glory is? Remember, if you go read the heat off the, if you go read the letter of Hebrews in context, talking about Jesus as the Son of Man. How did he endure at the cross as the Son of Man? And the author of Hebrews says the way he endured, the reason why he was even able to lay down the life he had from the world at the cross was because of the glory he saw that was waiting there. There was a glory he saw there. And the glory is talking about the very life of God. That's the glory he saw there, the very life of God. And because he saw that the cross was the place where he would have intimacy with the very life of God, he saw the cross was the place where his desire, where the eternity that was in his heart could be satisfied because he saw the cross as the place where he would grasp or lumbano or receive the very life of God inside of his physical body. That strengthened him to lay down the life he had from the world at the cross. That's why he did it there. The glory that was set before Jesus was immortal flesh. Does anybody think Jesus is getting immortal flesh outside of being nailed to the cross? I promise you he wasn't. Do any of us think that we're going to find ourselves being clothed in the new man without us laying down the old man? How is it that we're going to be clothed in the new man? By laying down the old man. How are we going to lay down the old man? Giving up the ghost. Seeing that life is found in putting off the life we have from the world. Death isn't found in putting off the life we have from the world. Life is. Don't we all agree that life is found in laying down the life we have from the world? Isn't that what Jesus did at the cross? Jesus saw the cross as the place of intimacy with the eternity that was right here. Eternity is in all of our hearts. We're all desiring a life that never dies, that can't be corrupted, that can't feel weakness. Jesus saw the cross as the place where he could be intimate with that desire. Jesus says in John 12, 25, I know we don't like these verses. And we'll, oh, no, 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 that's, that's, that's not, no, no, that's not for us. John 12, 25, they that love their life shall what? Lose it. And they that hate their life in this world shall what? Keep it. So what was Jesus doing at the cross? Losing his life or keeping it? I'm so sorry. What was he doing at the cross? Hating the life he had from this world. And what was the result? Keeping his life. That don't make sense to the carnal mind. Jesus saw the cross as the power to keeping his life eternal. At the cross, he was hating the life that he had from the world. And that word hate is not like our word hate. And that's where religion has come along. Oh, you must hate your life in this world. You can't go to rock concerts. You can't have a good time. You, you can't dress nice. You can't be in a bar ever. Forget about the jazz fest. Oh, you like music? No, no, no. Listen, man, you can enjoy all the things in the world. You just don't, you just see that your life ain't wrapped up in them. I'm going to read that again. Jesus says in John 12, 25, they that love the life they have from the world, they that grasp it, try to hold on to it, try to preserve it 
will lose their life. And they that hate their life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. That's the faith of the Son of God. That's why he went to the cross. I'm going to say this again because people, who knows who will listen to this on YouTube. Don't listen to what I'm saying through the carnal mind. I'm not saying life is found in you going off and finding a way to die physically. Okay? So don't leave here and think, well, man, man, I throw myself off a building or if I get in a car accident, will that do the trick? That's not what I'm talking about. Right? I'm talking about what happened to Jesus physically happening in our hearts through the spirit of faith. We ain't got to die physically to find it happen in us. We partake in his death by being intimate with the faith that's in his heart. And that's how we give up the ghost. That's how we keep our life. Right? You guys are awesome, man. I did call it the giving up of the ghost. God calls us out of the grave by pouring out the spirit of his son into our hearts. That's Lazarus, come forth. He calls us out of the grave by pouring out the spirit of the son. He pours out the spirit of the son to bring about the death and the resurrection Jesus partook of in our hearts. He wants to circumcise our hearts from the life that's in the world that's dying. He's bringing about the same thing in us where we go to the cross, but it happens in our hearts. And he sees the only way we go into the cross is if we think life is found there. It's like Glenn said when we were talking the other day. It's, oh, well, that makes sense because, if, you know, who wants anything to do with the cross? It's just torture and pain. Life. It's life. He wants to circumcise our hearts from the life that's dying. He wants, us to cause, he wants to cause us to lay down the death that's in the world. God's will is for you to lay down the life that's subject to corruption. That was God's will in Gethsemane, for Jesus to lay down the life that's subject to corruption. That's his will for you. This flesh doesn't want that. This flesh will fight tooth and nail not to die. Do you see what flesh does when it's going to die? It fights tooth and nail, don't it? So that's, God poured out the spirit of faith that was in Jesus. He poured out the spirit of giving up the ghost. The spirit of giving up the ghost was poured out on all flesh. So that spirit could dwell in us and bring about something in us where we do the same thing that Jesus did on the cross where we see the life we have from the world as being unto death. We look at the life we have from the world and we don't see the laying down of that life as being unto death, but we see the laying down of the life we have from the world as being unto life. That's when you lay it down. That's when you're knocking people out of the way. Let me lay it down. I'm the first one to lay it down. You can't do that on your own. It takes the spirit of the sun in you. That's how God pours, God calls forth his life in us by pouring out the spirit of his son. And that spirit, his spirit, brings about in our hearts an intimacy with Jesus in the death he died on the cross. God brings something forth in us where we love not our lives in this world, 
even unto our hearts, laying down the life we have from the world. He brings something forth in us where we do not see the cross as the laying down of life, but instead we see it as the laying down of the life that's dying. The world is dying, guys. The life that is in the world is dying. The life Jesus had from Mary was dying. Partaking in the cross is to lay down the life that is dying so that the life that can never die can pick you up. <laughs> and then you walk all your days in this world, like Paul said, I was crucified with Christ. I love not the life I had from the world to the degree that I gave up the ghost. I laid it down. I had intimacy with the faith in Jesus' heart when he saw that those who love their lives in the world will lose it, but those who hate the life they have from the world shall keep it. And I lived all my days in this world with not my strength being the power behind my life, not the things going on in the world as the power behind my life, but the very life of God animated me. He found life by being intimate with the death of the cross. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that as your spirit is, wor is working grace in us, that you don't rush us, that you don't force us, but that you're with us all the time, loving us, comforting us, comforting our flesh as our flesh doesn't want to die and as our hearts don't want to lay down the life we have from the world. I thank you, Father, that you're there comforting us. You're there revealing to us that the, the life in the world, the life that we think looks good for food, the life that we think is pleasant to the touch, the life that we think it's wise to grasp after, that you're there comforting us until you can reveal to us that that life isn't life at all. It's actually death. Thank you, Father, that you're there unraveling our hearts, that you're unraveling the carnal mind, that your word, that Jesus is a sharp two-edged sword, circumcising our hearts from the carnal mind, and that we could see the giving up of the ghost and the laying down of the life we have from the world as not the, the giving up of life, but as the giving up of death. I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is in the church. And your Holy Spirit is bringing about a giving up of the death that's in the world inside of the body of Christ. That that body could manifest the life and immortality of God once again in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I love all you guys. Thanks for watching. I love you guys. You guys are awesome.